Hello everybody, this is History in Faces, Mao Zedong Cycle, first episode. I chose Mao Zedong as the first person to talk about, because he was the man that changed the way how Chinese used to live for centuries. He was the person longing for changes, ready for a permanent revolution. We can disagree with his actions, we can condemn and accept them, but we cannot but admit that he was and still, he is a figure of a big mass head in history. But before diving straight in his life, I want to give a quick overlook of what was happening in the country back in the days. For centuries, Chinese thought that they live in the middle of the world, and only barbarians around them. And those outlanders were so lucky because of the great goal of the Chinese empire. They gave them knowledge, culture, and the benefits of a civilized society. And it was like this till the middle of the 19th century, when those barbarians knocked on the door. Delivering silk, proclaimed tea, European goods didn't fall on the Chinese market. But the British quite quickly found a product that really became demanded in the Middle Kingdom, opium. The government couldn't stand by when those barbarians were poisoning Chinese citizens with drugs. As a result, First Opium War broke out. Country wasn't ready for it. Though the advantage of the king power and the armed forces was about 250 times, China was an agrarian country with backward technologies, so even with such an army, the king couldn't oppose anything to the British. And the outcome for China was terrible. Huge indemnity, transfer of Hong Kong by the British, as well as opening some ports for English trade. And it was a total shock for everybody in China. How is that even possible to be beaten by those while half people have animals? Among other things, European goods flooded the market. Chinese manufacturers went bankrupt. Meanwhile, the population of China continued to grow. The number of poor, rich, sick, and hungry was growing incredibly fast. As a result, the Taiping Uprising began, which took on a large scale. At that time, China also suffered from floods, epidemics, and terrible hunger. Fighting with the Taiping state, the Qing dynasty still had to wage war with Western powers. Represented by Great Britain, France, and the United States, titled later the Second Opium War. Its result was the conclusion of the Beijing Treaty under which the Chinese were obliged to pay huge indemnity and more, and returning to the Taiping Rebellion. Ultimately, due to the internal disagreements within the Taipings, the inconsistency of their armies, as well as the fall in discipline and internal decay, the Qing army was able to defeat the rebels. Between the 1851 and 1864, about 100 million people died, in this difficult time for China, the country needed a man who would have carried out the modernization, as it needed external and internal reforms, industrialization and more. A person who would make China a powerful modern country, equal in strength to the European powers. But in those times, see she came to power, the regent. She was an adherent of the old Confucian course who didn't accept European innovations and didn't recall this time. As China lived for centuries, so it will. That's what she thought. Despite all these events, 
China was still considered itself as the main power in the Asia. Even though barbarians came and humiliated them, they still were remaining the main pillar on which all Asian countries would be oriented. But there was a Japan, which also forced a policy of isolation and was forced to change it. And unlike China, it carried out huge amounts of reforms called the Major Restoration, which transformed and changed the country beyond recognition. In just 30 years, the country has transformed from the agrarian land into one of the leading states with factories, modern technologies and powerful army. Now Japan needs resources, new markets and Korea has become a tidbit for it. As a result, the war for the influence in Korea began. The armed forces of China were inferior to the Japanese in all respects. The weakness of the central state power, thieves of the officials and internal problems in the state didn't allow opposing anything to their neighbor. Now, Japan has become the domain state in the Asian region. For Chinese, it was something beyond their mind. How is that even possible? The country that accepted their culture, language, took and defeated them. China couldn't bear such humiliation. It was a colossal blow to the country's prestige. The Qing dynasty was steadily moving towards its collapse. But when the empire was at its last gasp, a man was found, who tried to carry out reforms aimed at modernizing the country. They went down in history at the 100 days of reforms. Emperor Guangzhou united the people around him who were up for that, tried to bring to life their ideas. But as soon as Xi found out about this, the whole program was stopped. The conservative wing prevailed. Immediately after that, arrests and execution of the reform supporters began. Many people believed that all misfortunes that fell to the lot of China happened only through the fault of Europeans. Those barbarians were actively building railways, telegraphs and other infrastructure. As a consequence, Shandong since 1898 became the center of activity of the secret society of Ehetuan. In 1899, this movement grew into a direct uprising. They were destroying railway and telegraph lines, religious mission buildings, some government offices, and practically controlled power over a large territory. The authorities were powerless against the rebels. Because of that, imperialist powers organized an intervention in China. Under these conditions, Sishi decided to play on two fronts, formally continue the struggle against the Hetuan for the show of the European powers, but in fact supported them and hoped that they would sweep away all the foreigners from China. Later, the Chinese Imperial House took a course on the full and direct support of the rebels. Even before the final defeat of the bulk of the rebels, several coalition members, Austro-Hungary, Great Britain, Japan, Russian and German empires, USA, France, Italy, compiled and transferred a general note to the Imperial government of China. After complete suppression, China became even more dependent on the European powers and actually turned into a colony. The dynasty was a stone throw from the complete collapse. In 1908, Sishi died. The day before her death, Guangzhou also died. There were a nephew, whom she deprived power 
1898, the two-year-old Puy became the emperor in December 1908. That's it. I hope that you liked this episode, so stay tuned, please subscribe, like, and see you later. Bye.